Hi, everybody, and welcome to RV Miles, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides, and more. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And this is episode 84 of the RV Miles podcast. To get today's show notes, you can head over to rvmiles.com slash podcast. And RV Miles is all across social media. Just search RV Miles. And then Jason and I, along with Jack, Ethan, Henry, and Wanderbus are at ourwanderingfamily.com. And we are also all across the social medias. Just search our wandering family on this week's episode we're going to talk about surprising things we've learned two years into full-time RVing we've got a lot of miles under our belts now and there are some things that we just did not expect some things we thought we needed that we ended up not needing some things we didn't think we would need and then wanted it's been really interesting to go back and kind of talk about this a little bit and and go back and forth on well what surprised you and there were a few things on there that I was like wow I would not have expected that at the beginning of this journey yeah so we're going to talk about that plus we've got a new brain teaser the answer to last week's we've got the news and more but first this week's episode is sponsored by L.L. Bean. This year, L.L. Bean is joining up with the National Park Foundation, the official nonprofit partner of the National Park Service, to help you find your happy place. In an amazing system of more than 400 national parks, including historic and cultural sites, monuments, preserves, lakeshores, and seashores that dot the American landscape, many of which you'll find just a short trip from home. L.L. Bean is proud to be an official partner of the National Park Foundation. Discover your perfect day in a park at findyourpark.com. And those national parks received 330 million visits last year. How many of those do you think we were? <laughs> 330,000. <laughs> I'd like to think we were more than 33. We're talking. Well, there's five park. of us. This yeah. is true. I would like to think we went to more than just six places last year. Yeah, we, well, we, sure, we, we should sure, add we that sure up have. sometime. We are coming to you this week from the other side of the Dallas-Fort Worth area. We had been on the west side of Fort Worth. And now we're on the east side of Dallas. Across I'm on the, the east side. I'm on the west side. <laughs> Have you ever seen Robin Hood Men in Tights? Yes, it's been a long, long time. When Dave Chappelle I, was like jumping over. Really? You remember it that well? Oh, you don't understand. Robin Hood Men in Tights was one of my brother and I's. Like it was one of our go-to movies. That Ace Ventura, Spaceballs, Robin Hood. We still, if you're around me, Jason, Justin, and Jordan, you can almost guarantee one of us will drop a Robin Hood men in tights quote. Maybe that's why I don't understand what you're saying half the time. <laughs> Hold the reins. That's so from Robin Hood men in tights. When I say that to you, I'm quoting the movie. Anyway, <laughs> speaking of family, we've we've had a good time here spending time with uh, Abby's family, some of Abby's new family. Some of my new family and also experiencing little Tex-Mex, little barbecue. We ate so much food when we were with my family. My future sister-in-law, she just she just cooks and cooks and cooks. She's constantly feeding us. <laughs> it's amazing. So we got to spend a lot more time in the, in the Arlington area, which is right in between the two cities. We're looking forward to exploring Dallas a little bit while we're here. We're going to be here for another two weeks before we head up to Oklahoma City for a wedding. And then we make our big trek to the southeast. 
All right, let's move into the news. Do you remember a couple weeks ago when we were talking about the Jellystone Campground near Chicago, sort of near Chicago? Don't you know. say it's near Chicago. It's just in Illinois. Yeah. Well, it's in Illinois. Their website is jellystonechicago.com. But well, you know what? My website is now <laughs> Happy's near Austin. It's, okay, it's and like I'm the, literally like hundreds of miles away. It's so like the the uh, anyone can have a website. The Chicago skydiving. <laughs> it's like skydive Chicago and it's two hours away. From Isn't Chicago. it in Indiana too? Like, <laughs> no, it's not, no, it's oh, in okay. Illinois, but it's way, way east. Anyway, the Millbrook Jellystone campground we had talked about a couple weeks ago had made a decision, controversial decision to stop allowing pop-up campers and tents. And uh, a lot of people were saying that this was sort of a little bit of a classist decision there were bit. rumors that there were issues with some riffraff at this campground and boo-boo ain't got time for riffraff <laughs> apparently so, so the the theory is that you know by disallowing tents and pop-ups that they're getting rid of people with lesser means well, there's just no way you could spin that story to connect the two issues yeah well, we, that's how they spun it. Yeah, so, I know. And it didn't work out so well for them as we're about to discuss. Anyway, so the parent company of Jellystone, Leisure Systems, has given a, a little bit of an edict to this campground saying uh, that they they need to repeal this policy. And they post about it on Facebook. The franchiser believes that the policy conflicts with Jellystone Park brand's promise of providing families with the opportunity to camp their way at locations filled with great amenities, fun activities, and Yogi Bear TM. Is Yogi Bear TM different than Yogi Bear? <laughs> I'm just I curious because the the use of the trademark in this post is cracking me up. In accordance with their directive, we will be offering a limited number of tent and pop-up camper sites. Now, we have confirmed this campground, this campground that has uh, a couple hundred spaces, is going to be offering three campsites to pop-up campers and or tents. Really quick before we move on, I would like to rewrite this for the Millbrook individuals. I'm just going to rewrite what they what they needed to say was, Dear campers, we're sorry. We were wrong. Everyone is welcome. Have a wonderful day. How? I re There's the words, we apologize or any sort of taking responsibility for such an offensive policy just blows my mind that it's missing. I think someone's comment was bitter much. It is so clear that they are not happy yeah, I'm that they had to it, do this. It seems like from what I've been able to gather that this campground doesn't really want to be a jellystone. And the owners bought it as a Jellystone and they're just waiting for the contract to run out. OK, that's fine. Wait for your contract to run out. Yeah. Don't be a Jellystone. But right now, just for everybody in the back, you're a Jellystone. <laughs> right. OK, you're still a Jellystone. And that is not the Jellystone way. Good on the parent company for finally getting involved because their first response was, hey, mm, you know, everybody does everything different. Yeah, it, it is. It's classist to say 
I mean, the only reason for doing that is because you don't want people that can't afford expensive RVs at your campground. Yeah, you're making a judgment on a certain class of individual and blaming yeah. them for the issues you have at your campground. You need to turn that mirror around, look at yourself and figure out why your campground isn't working out. It has nothing to do with someone owning a pop up or a tent. It is just one jellystone, But man, this kind of stuff makes me so mad. So mad. All right. Also, you're not near Chicago. Change your website. <laughs> All right. I hope that's the last we mention. The I hope I never. Yeah. Change your name. I hope podcast. I never have to hear from you again, Melbrock. <laughs> the RV Industries trade show, RVX, their new trade show. They discontinued the old trade show last year and the new one. Uh, it was in Louisville every year. The new one is going to be traveling around the country. The RVX trade show is going to begin next week. And uh, it's not open to the public or anything, but it might be of interest to some listeners because they are going to be launching a bunch of new products, new RVs from the RVX trade show. And there will be several live streams on the Internet. We're going to link to their live stream page in the show notes so that you can follow along with some of those if you're really interested in geeking out over some of that stuff. Like you, I can, am. you can watch with Jason, you, me and, and a couple of our friends can have a little watch party. There you go. So that's coming up next week. Also, the uh, RV industry announced next year's RVX is going to be in San Antonio, which is interesting because we just left there. I am very <laughs> on board with that decision. Warm weather is much yes. better than Utah weather. Warm-ish weather. <laughs> Texas right. is having a hard time warming up right now. Speaking of, though, this is a fantastic year for wildflowers because of the weather, not only in Texas, but across the country. The wildflower boom is starting early this year, and it's massive this year because of rains that have been heavy all across the country, and particularly in the warmer places like Texas Hill Country, like Big Bend National Park, Southern Arizona, and Southern California, places like Death Valley. Amazing wildflower views are happening right now. If you can't get to some of those places, go to the, some of those national parks, Facebook pages or Instagram pages, some amazing photos out there right now. Speaking of Death Valley, we want to mention that our latest episode of the America's National Parks podcast is out. And this one is on, well, sort of how Death Valley got its name. On, it's also about why you should always take a map with you. <laughs> and don't go places that haven't been mapped yet. For, yeah. I mean, you know, send somebody else first. You don't need to be the first one. You don't have to be. Yeah. You don't have to be a pioneer. <laughs> so we hope you'll check that out. It's available wherever you listen to this podcast and we'll link to it in the show notes as well. Or you can visit us over at nationalparkspodcast.com. We also we often mention our RV Miles Facebook group in this podcast and we hope you'll join that but we also have an america's national parks facebook group that is ran as a part as a compendium to the podcast for discussing the national parks so if you're interested just search uh, america's national parks on facebook and and join us in the facebook group there yeah well. there are people over there who share some of the most gorgeous pictures of the parks they're just stunning so if you can't get to the parks, this is like sort of kind of the next best thing. Yeah, especially, you know, in the winter when you're just Miserable. dreaming about warm weather. It's nice to just 
see people's pictures from over the year. Yeah. And some of these pictures, I mean, these are professional photographers and they just, there's just some gorgeous, gorgeous stuff in there. And then just people sharing their trips. You know, I had asked a really simple question about Waco Mammoth and I got a ton of responses back. I couldn't believe how many responses I had gotten, how many people had actually been there. So it's a really valuable resource because everyone in there is a big fan of the national parks and a, and have been to a lot of them and are very happy to help answer your questions and help you plan a fantastic trip. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. And we're going to get into our discussion of the surprising things that we have learned in two years of full-time RVing. Be right back. All right, we are back with the answer to last week's brain teaser sponsored by the FMCA. From motorhomes, travel trailers, fifth wheels, bus conversions, and more, FMCA is here to enhance your RV lifestyle. For as little as $5 a month, you can travel with peace of mind knowing FMCA has your back. Get connected with like-minded RVers on their Facebook page, forums, at conventions, and events. Deals and discounts include RV insurance, roadside rescue, and tire saving programs, of which you know Wanderbus has needed. They also include their medical emergency and travel assistance program, which is included for free. A yearly membership is only $60, but RV Miles listeners can save even more. You can save $10 with code RVMILES19. Just visit fmca.com and enter RVMILES19 or click the link in the show notes. And they have opened up registration for Minot Magic, the the Minot Convention, which is the 100th FMCA convention happening this August. And who was announced recently is going to be a Sully, speaker there? Captain Sully. Captain Sully. Uh, American hero Captain Sully Sullenberger is is going to be speaking at the, the Minot Convention, which is going to be in Minot, North Dakota. And we will be there. And we hope that you will come and join us there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going, you have to let us know because we want to have a little get together one of those nights while we're there. So you know where to find us. Just find us across that social media. All right. The answer to last week's brain teaser, it went like this. You're on your way to visit your grandma who lives at the end of the valley. It's her birthday and you want to give her the cakes you've made. Between your house and her house, you have to cross seven bridges. And as it goes in the land of make-believe, there's a troll under every bridge. Each troll, quite rightly, insists that you pay the toll troll. Or a troll toll. Or a troll toll. Whatever. The words look alike, all right? Sometimes they just want you to pay. (laughs) Before you can cross their bridge, you have to give them half of the cakes you are carrying. But as they are kind trolls, they each give you back a single cake. How many cakes do you have to leave home with to make sure that you arrive at grandma's with exactly two cakes? Are they really kind trolls or just bad at math? Uh, First off, how do they keep that enterprise going? Because they're in the red every time somebody comes across the bridge. (laughs) Well, you know, it it depends on how many cakes you bring. If you bring the proper number of cakes, 
which is two, you'll be fine because at each bridge, you're required to give half of your cakes and you will receive one back, which leaves you with two cakes at every bridge. I just don't understand how the troll toll sustains itself. Well, if you were, if you had 10 cakes, then you would give the troll five cakes. Oh, you have to give them half of every cake. Yeah, I yeah, thought you yeah. just had no, to give no. them half. Mm-mm. Oh, I see. I missed the fact that it was cakes plural. I was in my mind. It was I give you half a cake. You give me a whole cake back. Not I give you half of no, every single cake I'm smoking? currently carrying in my little red basket. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I get it now. I get it. And I heard that. I'm not going to respond to it. <laughs> but I heard of, it. of tolls. First of all, is are, are trolls the first like known toll charging entity out there? I mean, I feel I like mean, I are feel we like talking tolls, in real life or <laughs> I feel like tolls date back to the days of trolls. You know, in their little bridges. Maybe trolls mo- are just misunderstood. But tro- these trolls don't even need money. They just need cake. Speaking of, I was thinking the other day, why do we name toll roads after famous people? Like down here in this area, they're all, there's the, I think Tom Landry has a to- toll road named George after Bush, him. George W. Bush what? has one. If I was a famous person, the last thing in the world I would want named after me is a toll road, a road that you have to pay money to drive on. That is mostly not well cared for. No. No, it's not. It's not my ideal. I mean, can't you name like a cool parkway after me or an interstate? We don't name interstates after people. We just name toll roads after people. What? Deep thoughts. I guess Jason we, do. Handy. we do name. We do name interstates after people, but not that many. You should flesh this out in the RV Miles Facebook group. I think there's like-minded people in here that will talk to you about this because I was done talking about this like five minutes ago. I'm sure our audience was as well. The winner this week is Andrea Kohler from Wisconsin who will receive a Not All Who Wander Our Lost t-shirt and we'll have a chance for you to win yours at the end of the show with this week's brain teaser. Let's move right into our main topic, surprising things we've learned Two years into full-time The RV. first one cracks me up. Abby functions on coffee. Abby would give up food before she gave up coffee. This is true. And we have tried all kinds of different things while we've been out here. We've tried all kinds of things in, in the house before we... Yeah, we've had a lot of different bus. coffee makers. And you know what we're back to? A regular drip coffee maker. Mr. Coffee. And here's the reason why. Because... The grounds are a pain to deal with, and it is just so much easier to throw out the little tissue paper thin coffee filter with grounds in it than it is to clean out the French press like we were doing, especially, you know, you don't want to put coffee grounds down your drain because they can stick to fats and clog clog up your pipes. And you kind of have to like dump them out in the trash and it's liquidy and gross. And you know what? That's just a pain. Those are all the non-coffee drinkers reasons over there for. (laughs) Actually, I think, too, that moving back to a coffee pot with a filter actually makes it easier for you to recycle the grounds, the um, grounds to use them as compost Mm -hmm. because it's you're removing the liquid is already removed. But that's beside the point. For me, it was just all about I wanted a solid cup of coffee. And I have been all over the boards 
when it comes to coffee makers and price points. And at the end of the day, a cup of coffee is only as good as the coffee you buy, not the coffee maker you use. That's just my personal opinion. And I've got a $30 coffee maker that you can actually do as uh, a six cup. You can make it as a single cup where you just put your coffee cup underneath there, or you can turn it into a pour over. And really, at the end of the day, I mean, that's what everyone says is the best cup of coffee is to have a pour over. Well, a pour over is just a cup with another cup on top and then you pour coffee and water and you let it seep through. So, yeah, it's you know, it's pretty straightforward. It's pretty straightforward. So for me, having tried all these things and wishing I could get some of the money back that I've spent on coffee makers at the end of the day, I just need a little Mr. Coffee that can get my drip coffee going for me in the morning, keep it nice and hot. I am a person who I need hot coffee. It does not matter if it is 157,000 degrees outside. I need hot, hot coffee. See, I need to let my coffee sit for about 15 minutes before I can drink it. You let your coffee sit for like hours (laughs) before you drink it. Yeah, it makes me nuts. (laughs) I'm turning into my grandmother in the sense that I sometimes I microwave coffee. Now, there are people out there who are going to pass out because I just said that, but that is such a straight up grandma Betty move. Grandma Betty drank coffee all day long. She had coffee in the <laughs> coffee pot all day long and she would microwave that cup. If she had not finished her cup of coffee, she would go and put it in the microwave. I am turning into my grandma Betty. But you know, the thing is we often think that RVing is so much different than being in a home and you can have a drip coffee maker in an RV. They have very small ones. You can run them off of electricity. We, You know, we were thinking we have to have something that's great for boondocking. Well, most of the time we're plugged in. Generator had zero issues running the coffee. Yes. And when we're we're boondocking, we can run the run the generator a bit or do a pour over. Absolutely. That's it. So the coffee maker thing that I need this fancy camping coffee maker, I need, you know, I need something sleek and slim and portable and packable. Maybe you do depending on your environment. You you might have a teardrop. You might have something real small and and that makes sense. But for us, it's we're finally, I think, happy with something. Namaste with my coffee maker. (laughs) Number two on the list. You can't realistically follow 70 degree weather. We've all seen that sort of road trip map uh, in some of the RV Facebook groups where it it's like a big map of how you can travel the country all year long and follow 70 degree weather. And it has you going all the way up into Alaska and, and all over the place. You can, to an extent, during the day, if yeah. you're only going to, if you only live during, you know, daylight hours. But what happens is that 70 degree weather, of, as we learned when we were trucking through New Mexico, well, that's seven, that beautiful 70 degree weather during the day, that's 33 degrees at night. Yeah, the, the temperature swing. swings in the winter get drastic. Crazy drastic. Mm-hmm. And you know, even tonight we have a beautiful, finally a very beautiful warm day here in the Texas area. It's about 72 degrees today. It will get down back into the 40s tonight. And, you know, we, we're in a bus conversion and... I've talked to a lot of bus conversion people who say, you know, they're they're looking into it. They're working on their bus. They're not going to put air conditioning in. they're not going to put heat in or they're not going to insulate because they're only going to go to places where it's 70 degrees. And, you know, you can be in Florida and it can be in the 30s. You just have to be prepared for everything. And, you know, you can be in Chicago way up north 
and it often gets over 100 degrees in the summer. Thankfully, we designed the bus knowing that we wouldn't realistically be chasing 70, but that never stopped us from thinking, oh, maybe and like in the back of our brain, oh, maybe that's going to yeah. happen. And it was really that stent through New Mexico last year that taught us that that is not real. Yeah. People ask why everybody goes to Quartzsite, Arizona in in the winter, why all these RVs go there. It's because it's one of the only places in the country, the little tiny swath of southern Arizona and way down south in Florida and southern California and a little bit in, in along the Rio Grande in Texas are the only places that you'll never need propane heat in the, in the winter. So people go there, you know, it's just not, that's the thing. Everybody goes to those places. It's not only not feasible to always just have nice weather wherever you go. If you do that, you're going where everybody else is. And we're not fans of that. And it's very hard to get reservations in those places as well. All right. Next on the list, having a campfire every night just doesn't happen. No. My dad, I was talking to my dad one day and he was, he said, are you guys having a campfire tonight? And he said, I, you know, I just imagine you guys every night sitting out there around the campfire. And oh, man, the truth is firewood is expensive. <laughs> and, and, you know, we don't often, uh, we don't often hang out outside at night because we do so much during the day. Also, I don't know how to say this other than we're not on vacation. Yeah. Life happens. You know, there are dinners to be made and work to be done and sometimes schoolwork to be done or there's things going on similar to the life you would lead in your sticks and bricks. We're a family living our lives. And sometimes it works out that we can have a fire and it's wonderful. But also, you know, the weather plays into it a lot of times. You know, it's been just cloudy and pretty much rainy the entire time we've been in Texas. That's not really been campfire weather. That's right. And on top of that, we just were busy. And that was really surprising to me. I had all these sort of ideas going into it, like your dad, that, you know, we'd have campfires and real chill nights out there. And that I has mean, just not been our personal reality. And that's because our personal reality is busy. If we're in areas that allow it and it's cheap and available uh, to get wood, we'll maybe have one once a week or so. But we spend so much time in places that they don't even allow campfires. Most of the West, there are lots of places yeah. where it's just too windy and, and they they don't want wildfires spreading. So they don't they don't allow it. So, you know, here where we're at at this campground, we're going to have one. I had one at the campground we were at last week. But, you know, if you spend ten dollars a week getting gas station campfire wood, that's only going to give you a, one fire a week. And that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. People spend. think that, again, with like the schoolie and, and bus conversions, a lot of people put wood stoves in them because they think, well, wood is so cheap and available. Well, truth be told, propane's actually cheaper and more available. Well, the thing you have to remember, too, is that the wood you buy, you have to use. You cannot take it with you. Right. So if you buy it here, if we buy it here in Wiley... We have to use it in Wiley. Yeah. Now, we some can't... places you can use it within the state or with so many hundred miles or so. But you generally can't travel long distances with firewood because you you carry diseases and bugs. And that's they've traced that back. And that is what has killed so many trees across the country. Literally, RVers 
traveling with firewood. Yeah, they don't, for the most part, want you taking it across state lines. Some don't even want to take want you taking it out of the county. So unless you're really up on all of that and you're paying a whole lot of attention to where can I move this? When can I not move this? You know, for us, we just are philosophy is, is if we buy it here, we use it here. We do not take it with us. I also don't have a place. I'm like, we're not going to like put firewood that might have bugs and stuff in it inside. Mm, This is not really a good spot to put in. It takes up a lot of space. So we'd rather burn it anyway. So anyway, uh, we don't have as many campfires as we thought we might. We still do have them from time to time. But we don't have those iconic Instagram campfires that you see constantly. A clean and new bathhouse is something very, very special. Oh, it is so special. Now, a lot of people ask, you know, you, you're in an RV. Why don't you just use your RV's bathroom? And we we do. Um, we haven't totally finished our shower yet, but that's besides the point. A lot of people who camp in state and federal parks most of the time, like we do, usually use the campgrounds showers because the campsites don't usually have sewer hookups and showers are the biggest use of water. So if you're able to go use the campground shower, you aren't filling up your gray tank and then you have to either use a a blue boy or, or move your RV to go dump. So we, we use the campground bathrooms. Plus a lot of RVs have very small water tanks. So it's nice to have a good long hot shower. On top of that, it is just easier with three boys for you to take them over to the bathhouse and just the whole thing gets done all at once. Yeah. You know, you you divide and conquer. I didn't realize again, we got on the road and it's really only been in the last year or so where when we are actively researching campgrounds that we want to go to, the bathhouse, looking for reviews about the bathhouse, that plays huge into our decision as to whether or not we're going to go there or how long we're going to stay there. Yeah. You know, this one here is nice. It's it's like middle of the road. It's very clean. It's not nearly as wonderful as the one that we left near San Antonio, but it's not the murder bathroom that no. we were current, you know, just at over by Fort Worth. But, you know, they built it. It's brand new. It will be a murder bathhouse in, in 10 years. You know, <laughs> that's the thing. Like some sometimes these state and public parks build their bathhouses just asking for it. I don't mind these as much because they're individual yeah. as well. So you can go in there and it's just four essentially individual bathrooms at the bathhouse. So you're kind of enclosed and you're doing your own thing. You've got everything you need just like right there. I don't mind that as much. I just wish they had tricked it out a little bit more. You know what I have figured out? We have this this teak wood uh, mat that we use as a doormat from Blue Ridge Chairworks. And we usually, we put it right in front of our door and it keeps us from from that area being muddy, especially if you're in a if you're in like a grassy spot. And I have been taking that to the shower and standing on that. It's perfect for making any crappy shower feel a little bit shishi. <laughs> like you're literally standing on your own custom little teak mat. That's how I feel when I wear that. my flip flops. <laughs> yeah, right. I see. I can't do it. I can't wear flip flops in the shower. It just. I have a. I don't like the water in between my foot and the, and the shoe. It's weird. 
I just have a pair of $1 flip-flops from Old Navy that are my designated shower shoes. And I just, I always wear them. I don't go barefoot over in the bath, in the bathhouse. Not going to do it. <laughs> I don't care how clean it looks. I'm not doing it. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to have more of the top things we've learned in two years of full-time RVing. We are back with more surprising things we have learned two years into full-time RV life. This portion of the show is sponsored by the standby phone and beverage holder. And I don't think we need to go into the fact that Jason cannot keep track of his phone and how great the standby has been with that. But did you know that Jason also struggles to keep track of his wallet, his driver's license, his debit card? Hey, okay. <laughs> Just because... <laughs> Just because we found my my driver's license under the hood of the car one time doesn't mean <laughs> that needs to be a brain teaser. I need Sherlock Holmes to come to my house and explain to us how Jason, not Jason's wallet, mind you, it was just Jason's driver's license, just his driver's license. Here's my theory. All right. I've been thinking about this for like three years now. Here's my theory. I dropped my driver's license on the ground somehow. Somebody put it under, like, under the windshield wiper. They found it on the ground and stuck it under there or something like that. And then it blew underneath the hood where it sat for God knows how long until I popped the hood for whatever reason. And there was my... There it was. Thankfully, though, and this is a true story as well, his phone has sat on the top of the car on the top of the minivan for a hundred miles before he realized he didn't have it. <laughs> this was pre standby. Now I'm telling you now that we have the standby that does not happen anymore because this three in one product is holding his phone. It's holding his drink and it does fit in the car. We've got one here in Wanderbus. It's going to go in a stroller. I would have loved to have had this when I was yeah. strolling around oh, stroller with the Devil City the Mini. Worst. They're horrible. They're awful. This would have been awesome. It also goes in a camp chair and it has the stakes. You can take the removable foot off and put a stake onto it and drive it down into the ground, which maybe we'll do. Maybe we will surprise ourselves and have a campfire tonight. Yeah, that'd I've, be nice. Try to use I, the standby. I've got the fire pit full of wood. When we head to Pensacola, that steak is going to be oh, so awesome nice to have on the beach. beach. Mm -hmm. I cannot wait. The standby is durable. It's dishwasher safe. It's UV protected. It will always be made in the USA. Your cup holder needs an upgrade and you can save 20% off for the month of March. Just March only. 20% off the standby with the promo code SAVE. S-A-V-E. Head over to stand-by.com. That's stand-bi.com and use the promo code SAVE. And of course, we'll provide links to everything from our sponsors and everything we mention on the show everything. in the show notes at <laughs> rvmiles.com slash podcast. 
Uh, all right, let's continue our top surprising things we've learned in two years of full-time RVing. The next one is a big one. Driving slow is okay. All the cool kids Say do it. Say it with me. <laughs> For you. Everybody. Everybody in the back, get your hands See, up. See, our, our bus is, you know, it's an old school bus. And as such, it has a governor in it. And it's governed at 63 miles an hour. Now we could have that reprogrammed, but, and I was, and I was really worried going into this, that I wouldn't be going fast enough in some places that, and like down here in Texas, where speed limits are 80 miles an hour sometimes that, uh, people would be behind me honking at me, that'd be dangerous, uh, all those sorts of things. And the truth is, uh, that's not true at all. I don't think people want a big giant bus or RV going Mm-mm. 80 miles an hour. I think people, we have, we feel, we haven't learned, but we feel on the road that people are very content to have us driving in. We're not in the left lane. We never ride the left lane. We barely ever ride the middle lane. We're mostly right lane drivers in the bus. People are very happy to just move on past us and have us going at a safe, reasonable speed. Takes us longer to get somewhere, but I'm fine with that. Even on two lane roads that that are fast moving, um, you know, country roads and county highways, you know, there's usually passing lanes or people can just go around you. It's a passing zone and it's fine. There are some places every now and then on those two lane roads where I'm not able to go fast enough and I I just need to pull over wherever I can to let people buy or something. But, that's but it's the rare. nice yeah and that's the nice thing to do though too. It lets those people know that you are aware that they want to go faster. And you know if we get a good decent line of cars behind us, there's nothing wrong with pulling over and letting those cars go by and then getting back on. It's less stress for you because you're not constantly glancing behind you, wondering how much everyone dislikes you at this moment. But I know in the beginning that that was really a concern for you, that you were stressed out a little bit about only being able to go a certain speed, whereas I was very, very happy that we were governed at 64 and that we couldn't go any faster. And that's why we prefer interstate highways or or four lane highways uh, whenever possible. That's one of the reasons why. Uh, But it's, uh, it's really not a problem. And it's it's the safe thing to do. You know, a lot of people don't realize that some of the trailer tires that are on a lot of the RVs out there are not even supposed to go above 65 miles an hour. They're not rated to. And that's why there are so many blowouts in, in trailers out there. You can't be driving a trailer 75 miles an hour. You just can't. You're stressing me out talking about wearing down tires and blowouts. So well, let's move on. It's, it's too soon. Hashtag too soon, please. Move right. on. Speaking of the amount of time it takes to get somewhere, the suggested time frame for literally anything. Life. Just life. Is never the time it actually takes to do something mm-hmm. or, or what you think it's going to take. Yeah. And is you know never what? What it's going to take. Let's just move the second one right into this yeah leaving our campsite before 10 a.m will never happen now it will never happen unless we're wall docking <laughs> that's true then, but no even when we're wall docking sometimes it's hard we just we can't get out there you think you think i gotta run into the walmart in a walmart we're gonna just wake up and we're gonna start the engine and go Mm-mm. but you know we kids want to be fed yeah, stuff, you know coffee's gotta happens. be made i suppose if you're 
a single RVer, you're a couple, you might just get moving and the other person takes care of uh, breakfast and stuff. But look, OK, maybe. But I'd like to refer you to Nana Susie yeah. and Papa Dave. Oh, man. I, see, yeah, that's yeah. that's the thing. Abby's parents. <laughs> I mean, her, if it was just her dad now, my her dad, dad would be out in the morning at four yeah. in the morning. Yeah. You uh, wouldn't even go to bed. He'd just go. <laughs> Nana's got to have her tea, though. <laughs> She's. She does. You know now she's going to listen to this episode because she's, she only listens to the episodes where yes, we talk about yes. her for whatever reason. She's got to sit around she, in her in her uh, in her just, house clothes and, she and knows. get her morning started. And Jason Epperson, she knows she's going to come. She's going to have a little message for you. Okay, you brought it up. I did, but you're the one who took it to the next level. I was anyway, at the line. You crossed it. What we plan on for a time, uh, what Google Maps Tells us it's going to take to drive somewhere. What a park ranger says it's going to be to be out on the trail. All of it. It's all lies. Double it all. <laughs> du- literally just take it. Yeah. Double it. You think you're going to you think you're going to stop for lunch for a half hour. No, you're going to stop for an hour because that's how long it takes to stop it for just, lunch. It just takes that long. This came up because and we talked about this a little bit last week when we were at the Lyndon B. Johnson National Historical Park. All of the information we received, the brochure, and even, you know, from the Texas visitor's guides, you need three to four hours. And the park is in two different locations, about 15 miles apart. You need three to four hours to see everything. I can't. We needed two days. Never in a million years can I imagine three to four hours. I mean, you could drive through it and that would be it. Yeah, I guess if you're just not wanting to interact with something, but it is not in my nature to go somewhere where there are historical markers and things that need to be read and not read those. Now, I mean, we were stopping along the road at Lyndon B. Johnson because there would be these little pull offs and they'd have like a little informational table there. Some I don't know what they're called that you can read mm-hmm. and a sign. They, <laughs> That's what they call them. Signs. Well, I saw the sign and I, <laughs> I made you stop, roll your window down. And read every single sign to all of us. Yeah. Little did I know that there would be one every (laughs) 20 feet. There were a lot. But they're there for a reason. (laughs) They want us to know something about that area. Who am I to drive past that? We're full-time RVers, and a lot of our listeners are are not. Uh, A lot of you travel on vacation or just thinking about it. And vacationers sometimes travel a little bit different and try to cram as much as possible in when they go to an area. But I don't think that's worthwhile, even if that's what we were doing. If we were vacationers, I think it still makes more sense to take your time at a given location and really soak it all in instead of, you know, if you're going to Utah for a week, don't try to cram the five national parks in in a week. Spend a week at one of them and you will get so much more out of it because it takes a week to explore almost every national park of a decent size. I mean, this is making me think back to when we were tent camping and we went to the Great Smoky Mountain National Park. We yeah. went for a week. We came home needing a vacation from the vacation yeah. because even though we were in just one Location. We were just at Great Smoky Mountain National Park. That place is huge. And on top of that, you have Gatlinburg and you have Pigeon Forge and you can't do it all. You just I mean, 
we tried and we tried we had with to cut three stuff. littles. We, we were going to go to Asheville. Oh, we had to cut man. Asheville. We did. We had, it was just too much. Oh yeah. Because I wanted to go to the Biltmore. We were even thinking about stopping mm-hmm. at Mammoth Cave on the way back. Yeah, what? That was what? not going to happen. No way. Wow. <laughs> what were we thinking? So we came back needing a vacation from the vacation and we have just learned. And now part of this, we have learned as well because we do work full time from the road. So often we have to allow our days have to be allowed for work. You know, between Jason and I, we can easily put in 12, 15 hours a day. If we just sat and worked all day long, we could, but we can't. You know, we have our kids and we have responsibilities in other areas as well. And plus, you know, we want to get out and explore. But there is that balance that it will take us longer to do something because we have to just balance everyday life inside of it. But even if we cut all that stuff out and it was just going to fun places, people plan to go to like four or five things in a day. And I I don't see how to do it. This is how we feel. I don't know how you do it. This is how we feel about park hopping. Yeah. You don't park hop. At Disney World. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) I I should make it clear what I'm talking about. You don't park hop at Disney. The Appersons don't because the Appersons go into one park and they go in hard to that park and then they're there all day long. And then we go to another park and another and another. And then we go back to another. The thing, though, is that that Disney kind of is the exception to our rule in the sense of like when we go to Disney, we go hard and we go as long as possible. Like we don't we don't hang out. No, but some again, some people go to Disney World for a weekend Absolutely. And they want to go to all four parks and a water park. No. Go to one park one day and one the other day. If I only and you're had... gonna miss the other two, and that's okay. You don't have to do everything. If I only had four days at Disney, which just breaks my heart to think about, but if I only had four days at Disney, two of those days would be Magic Kingdom hands down. <laughs> Sorry, Animal Kingdom, you're out. Oh, that's my favorite part. I know it is, but now that Star Wars has officially announced its opening date, which is a day before my birthday. I'm just throwing that out there in case Disney's listening. <laughs> <laughs> I can't bump Hollywood Studios. I got to go there. Yeah. I have to go to Epcot because I got to. I have to go to the World Showcase. And I get two, two, two days at Magic Kingdom. You just have to. But you wouldn't get to ride the dinosaur ride. Uh, you know, I'm okay with that. I think the last <laughs> time I rode that dinosaur ride, I came off that ride horse because I was screaming the whole time. Terrified. Uh, all right. Moving right along. Where are we? <laughs> what are we talking about? Shoes. Oh, right. <laughs> Two pairs of oh, shoes reality. per person was the plan from the beginning. Ha. Yeah. <laughs> I was like Don Quixote in here. It's even, like the impossible even dream. Even if you're not full-timing, two pairs of shoes per person. It's just isn't. Don't even think about that being a thing to limit because you need shoes, you need several pairs, and uh, you need them for different reasons. I am a hardcore believer that this can be done. If the, On a short weekend trip, you don't need a yeah, ton yeah, of shoes. Sure. If you're headed out for a long family vacation, couple weeks, two weeks, three weeks, you know, even a week. I, I don't know how I could get this family out of here with a pair of tennis shoes and Keens. Now there are a lot of people out there that wear one pair of shoes. I mean, I was as a kid, wear one pair of shoes every day. That's it. You you wear your tennis shoes. That's the only thing you ever wear. But you didn't have Keens. No. <laughs> I, I mean, that's the answer to everything with my kids. I think for us, 
because we travel through so many seasons, in my mind, I thought we would get in here and we would have a pair of tennis shoes and we would have some type of sandal, a, a winter shoe and a summer shoe. Yeah. What I didn't realize is that we would, because we were chasing 70, I didn't realize we would need rain boots. Snow I, boots. Snow boots, right? I I clearly just confess that I have shower shoes. You yeah. know, I got a pair of cheap $1 flip-flops in the bus. Uh, I also have brought along several pairs of dress shoes. Yeah. Because and the reality is, is that we, with our other publication, with our other section of our lives, and that's the theater and performing, we are often going to opening nights for shows, reviewing shows, going to events of that nature, and we need nice clothes. Or if you want to go to a fancy restaurant or something. Fancy. What, that doesn't a, happen. You know what? A but fancy, if we didn't have kids, it would happen. Like a fancy restaurant for the Eppersons at this point is like Chili's. It is. <laughs> it really is. And I'm fine with that. But, you know, I you have you also want to have halfway decent shoes and then shoes that you can just trash. That you're yeah. not worried about walking in the mud. Because sometimes... That's the guy currently with three pairs okay. of tennis yeah. shoes. Well, one can go. But sometimes, unfortunately, two are brand new. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes, you know, you're you're going to have to go out and... You know, deal with your sewage system in the rain and Gross. mud. And it's nice to have, like, I have big, cheap Walmart rain boots for that. And uh, those have come in extremely handy because there are times when if I didn't have those, whatever shoe I would have been wearing that day would have been thrown in the trash that night. Yes, they would have for sure. So, uh, you know, for us, we've got a lot of shoes. And unfortunately, not only do most RVs not come with good places to put shoes, uh, but we building our own custom RV forgot to put decent places for shoes. In. Yeah. What were we thinking? I mean, we did, but we just didn't think we would have so many shoes. I think <laughs> we have a couple more on our list and then we'll be done. But I think this list, what I'm hearing from us as we're going through this is that we went into this thinking that we were going to live that minimalist camping life, you know, that you see where everyone's just like, they're, everything's just on their back and whatever you can carry is what you have. And that's such a complete opposite of like a sticks and bricks life where it's the idea of have, 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 have. You know, we went into this tiny house movement, bus life, and we have landed somewhere in the middle. I think that for us personally speaking, there are just some creature comforts that we want. And as we have moved more into settling into full-time life on the road. I think for us, we've just found a happy medium in between the two, in between the things that are typical of having in a, in a sticks and bricks home and the things that can sometimes be typical having in an RV when you're camping for a weekend. We have somehow just sort of meshed into the middle I could have a French press because I'm only going away for the weekend, but I'm not going away for the weekend. I want my coffee maker. I could just take two pairs of shoes for a week trip, but I'm going to take 10 pairs of shoes for the rest of my life. Yeah. I also just really love shoes. Yeah. Next up, the era of walk-ins at campgrounds, walk-in campsites is coming to an end. Oh. This is painful and to talk about. I know there are a lot of people out there that really just like to not plan much and pull up into campgrounds, but telling you campgrounds are filling. Not only are campgrounds filling more than they used to, and that's a real problem out there. But the other thing that's really happening is 
a lot of campgrounds, especially public ones, a lot of them are going to reservation only, meaning you cannot, even if there are sites available, pull up that day and pay for a campsite. Yeah, we just experienced this at the Army Corps of Engineer campground we stayed at by San Antonio. Yeah, I mean, it didn't happen to us. We had no, reservations, but they told us that, that they had gone to that. And we have found that at, we have we have experienced it at other campgrounds. And more and more public campgrounds, as they are integrating into the recreation.gov system, they're, they're just getting rid of the ability for the person at the gate to take a payment. And on top of that, a lot of these recreation.gov, Reserve America, they're closing that window to reserve 24 hours. Right. So you so, can't like go online and yeah. reserve your spot an you hour before. Right. You can't be at the gate talking to the attendant and be mm-hmm. like, let me go online really quick and reserve a spot. That can't even happen now. So for us, we're becoming a little bit more hyper aware of this because as I'm sure a lot of people know if they've been listening for the almost two years we've been doing this, we usually don't make a decision until, you know, three, four days before we're ready to go somewhere. This year, we already have all of our camping booked out until May. Yeah. Because we have begun to have some concerns just about where we want to go and our ability not only to get a spot, but then with all of these changes happening in the system and it taking some places it happening sooner and later for others, we just don't want to be caught by the unexpected. So it's very strange for us to sit here and be like, where do you want to go next and do that? But because we keep hearing these stories about no longer being able to walk up, the reservations windows are closing 24 hours in advance. We just feel like it makes more sense for us now to be more proactive Finally, there is a solution to that, and that is the fact. uh, One of the biggest things that we have learned is that boondocking is a lot easier, a lot less scary than you think. And and you don't need anything special to do it. you don't. You need enough battery power to run your lights overnight. Yeah. I mean, that's it. And, and, And if you have a generator, then you can, you know, pop your generator on to refresh your batteries or whatever. But you, as long as you're okay with not watching TV, with not using electrical appliances. Now, if you have a furnace that you want to run, you're going to want to have enough battery power to run the fan in your furnace overnight, which isn't bad, but you don't need much. No. And we have met people on the road who only boondock. I think that's amazing. And they have really inspired us and given us the courage to do longer stints. You know, when we, our last trip to uh, the Zion area, we boondocked for almost a week. And we have a very modest boondocking setup. And we were more than comfortable. Coffee Maker was able to be run in the morning. Every once in a while, we even let the kids, you know, play some Xbox on the TV. I mean, and we are not like, tricked out for you know max boondocking you know we hear people say well i want to do boondocking but i need to get solar installed first we don't have solar we'd love to have solar we'd love to have solar Uh, we just haven't done it doesn't do as much as you think it's going to Uh, not today (laughs) but it would be nice to have but you don't you don't need solar to boondock you don't need a giant battery bank you you don't need a generator i mean people camp 
intense with without all that stuff all the time uh especially if you have a car with you know we have our car uh has a, an outlet in it so it essentially has an inverter in it and for for a while if we just needed to charge phones stuff we just run the car and plug them into there we or when we go somewhere we just plug them yeah, in we're it's... more sophisticated than that now but uh you don't you don't need much especially if you're only going to do it for a night or two you yeah, really absolutely. And we did six nights and zero issue. And I would I didn't want to leave. It was we had to we had to move on, but I didn't want to leave that area. Yeah. It was so beautiful. And so that's something I look forward to doing a little bit more as we get back out on the road. But it's really it's not as scary or as big or as intimidating as it can feel, even if you don't feel that from other people, you just feel it from yourself. Just know that if we can do it, you can do it. I trust the, like trust me. The most intimidating thing about boondocking is the road leading into the area. <laughs> well, to it, it's it's trusting that you're going to be able to park somewhere safely. You know mm -hmm. that you're that you that where you're going, you're allowed to park. That you're going to be able to get in there. And it's not going to be closed. You're not going to have to worry about too many people there. That the Walmart allows it, or wherever <laughs> wherever you're going. The Cracker Barrel has their fried okra available that <laughs> night. <laughs> that's that's the biggest part of it. And once you've done it a few times, you you get used to that. Absolutely. All right, those are the things that we've learned two years into full timing. We'd like to know what you've learned as well. So please come over to the RV Miles Facebook group and let us know what you've learned in your time whether you're a full-timer or, or not, what you've learned as an RVer that would be helpful to people who are new or less experienced or less experienced at it. Let's wrap this episode up with a brain teaser. The following 10 states have been listed in a specific order. South Carolina, Delaware, Rhode Island, Alaska, Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Texas, Arizona. So you're going to you're going to want to write that down. I'm going to do it one more time. South Carolina, Delaware, Rhode Island, Alaska, Tennessee, Missouri, Mississippi, Montana, Texas, Arizona. Insert the following three states into their proper places on that list. Minnesota, Nevada, and New York. So you have to figure out why those states are listed in that order and figure out where Minnesota, Nevada, and New York fit on the list. If you know the answer, send us an email at editor at rvmiles.com or on any of our social media direct messages, and you might have a chance to win your own. Not all who wonder our last t-shirt, and we'll have the answer to that and a whole lot more on next week's episode of the RV Miles podcast. You bet we will. And if you are enjoying the RV Miles podcast, we would very much appreciate a five-star review over on Apple iTunes or Apple Podcasts. I don't know what the cool kids are calling it these days. In fact, we just want to take a minute to and thank those who have come over already and shared some of their thoughts with us. And Jason, what do you have for us? Jay Leone wrote, best RV podcast ever. You I can really, just stop reading there. <laughs> I really enjoy listening to the RV Miles podcast every weekend. Jason and Abigail combine the perfect blend of experience, knowledge, and personality to make very informative and entertaining podcasts every time. 
This is thank you so much. Heart hands. This is someone I know who clearly knows us across multiple social media channels because they referred to me as Abigail. And that's always my clue. I bet they're a National Parks podcast listener, too. Probably. Because on there, I'm known as Abigail. And here, I'm known as Abby. I like to keep it fresh. (laughs) Do you want to read another one before we go? Good, clean, fun, Allie Vuke says. Adorable couple who will inspire you to hit the road and travel. I don't know about adorable, but... I do. Speak for (laughs) yourself, sir. But my two days without showering is quite adorable over here. Okay? (laughs) This bun doesn't just put itself on top of my head. It's a lot of work. So those are just a few that we have recently received. We would love to share more as you guys have just been coming over and being so kind to us and we I can't tell you how much it just fills our hearts with appreciation that you listen every week and that you take an interest in what we're doing out here so thank you again for listening to the RV Miles podcast and until next week everyone keep logging those RV Miles bye everybody bye